Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Whispering Woods podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Toby. And this is episode number 26. This episode is all about... Wendigos. This is another one of my favourite subjects. I love Wendigo stories. The creepier the subject, the better for me. First of all, we have a bit of news about the podcast. You may have noticed that we now have adverts. I'm really sorry about that. I know it's extremely annoying, um, but we do have to try and get enough money to to get some new equipment because currently we share a microphone that is in the middle of us. Yeah. So we need to improve our sound quality. And also I work from a really cronky laptop and it takes me hours to edit anything. That's why we've done, gone for advertising and we've opened up a Patreon account. So if you want to support the show, you can do for a small fee. Obviously, nobody has to. I know it's really trying times at the moment for people. There are two tiers on our Patreon account, one called Ghoulies because I am a child and another tier called Demons. On the Demons tier, there will be an extra episode every week, midweek on a Wednesday and we're calling those Whispers. So Wednesday Whispers with the first one being released this Wednesday. On both tiers, you can listen ad-free If you want to become a part of our Patreon community, the website address is www.patreon.com forward slash The Whispering Woods. I'll leave a link in the podcast description anyway. And on that, we actually have our first patron that we can give a shout out to. Okay, so over to you, Toby. Rebecca Davis. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Rebecca, for joining our Patreon as our first patron. It's so exciting because I'd done it like the night before. I hadn't even said anything about it anywhere. Woke up in the morning and I saw someone had joined. (laughs) Thrilling. (laughs) Right. Wendigo. Do you know what folklore that's from? What? Native American Canadian. I've done an introduction to tell you all about it because it's particularly grisly. Oh, yes, we've got two Wendigo episodes because I've got loads of stories and the Patreon, the extra episode this Wednesday will also be about Wendigo. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Let's do it. In the bleak, bitter winters of the east coast of Canada and the great plains and lakes of America, something waits in the forest. Is that a cry from a tortured animal you hear? This is no animal you recognise, 
as you strain your ears against the unforgiving ice-cold wind that whips through the trees. The cry becomes a shriek, and it's getting louder. A cacophony of noise as your blood begins to curdle in your veins. Your heart skips a beat and then doubles in pace as you realise you are not alone in the forest. Something is watching, stalking. With an insatiable hunger for human flesh, the Wendigo, Windigo, Whittigo, Whittico and Wheatigo, roughly translating as evil spirits of mankind, has been spoken of by the indigenous people for centuries. The Wendigo encapsulates all that is forbidden within society, such as cannibalism, insatiable greed and murder. Mostly associated with winter and periods of extreme famine, the Wendigo is all of these cultural taboos manifesting as a cannibalistic giant. According to legend, a Wendigo is created any time a human succumbs to extreme hunger and kills another, feasting upon their flesh. You can also transform into a Wendigo if you yield to gluttony, greed, and live your life to excess, destroying the peace and harmony of the natural order. Descriptions of this beast do vary slightly, but they are consistently described as overly tall, at least 15 feet, to have glowing eyes, long yellowing fangs, horrifically elongated and sharp claws, and an excessively long tongue and no lips. No matter how much the Wendigo eats, they are always hungry for more. Some say that the more the Wendigo consumes, the larger it becomes. The following is a description by Basil H. Johnston, an Ojibwe teacher and scholar from Ontario. The Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation. Its desiccated skin pulled tightly over its bones, with its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion the ash grey of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton, recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody, unclean and suffering from separation of the flesh. The Wendigo gave off a strange and eerie odour of decay and decomposition, of death and corruption. The legend of the Wendigo has also lent its name to a medical condition known as Wendigo psychosis. A sufferer will become obsessed with tasting another's flesh and has thoughts of cannibalism. This is somewhat of a disputed condition, but generally occurs around the Great Lakes during the winter months. The individual will lose their appetite for usual foods with nausea and vomiting to follow. They will then go on to develop hallucinations of turning into a monster and see those around them as food, 
There are documented reports of the condition dating back hundreds of years, with one such case, a Cree man named Swift Runner, who in 1878 slaughtered his entire family and consumed them. And in 1907, two brothers were convicted of killing 14 people who they claimed were either Windigo or about to turn into one of these deadly creatures. Though reports of the condition became less common in the 20th century, when native ideology became entwined with that of the Westerners, there are many that still believe, and Wendigo sightings are still reported to this day, particularly in North Ontario, near the cave of the Wendigo. During the late 1800s to the 1920s, a Wendigo was reported to be stalking a town near Roselle in northern Minnesota. Every time the creature was seen, a death would shortly follow. And when the sighting stopped, so too did the deaths and life in town return to normal. The Wendigo, a metaphor for the forbidden, become manifest in the flesh. So they eat people, not just people. They eat all sorts, but yeah, they're cannibals. Can you remember, did you watch that film with me called um, Antlers? Hmm? Did you watch the film Antlers? With Roger and I? And it was about a young lad and he's got, he keeps the door locked on his dad and his little brother. I might watch it again, actually, this week, seeing as we're doing the Wendigo. And I highly recommend it to anybody who hasn't seen it. It's a very good um, story about Wendigo. It's really interesting, this subject, because obviously there are warnings there about um, your community and sharing, especially in Canada and stuff in the winter months. There wouldn't have been any food. So people probably did resort to eating each other. And that is really what it sort of stems from, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So just be careful, because it's actually freezing cold today, but you're lucky I've got food in the cupboard. Yum, yum. I'm trying to get munched on tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Right, are you ready for our first story? Yes, I am. This story was written by Da Adams 2016. Thank you for letting us share your story. Links will be in the podcast description. I live down in central Texas, and it started out with a friend of mine, Luke, needing a ride back to town from Houston. He's like family, so I went and brought him on back. He stays kind of near the Dripping Springs area. Before he was in Houston, He and I had always heard some strange sounds at night on his property, but we always just shrugged it off. He's got livestock, so we often protect them from coyotes and other things. Plus, we normally shoot guns out there and don't really worry about what's lurking out there. The night I brought him back, we pulled into his long driveway to head to the house. And along the driveway... He has this fire pit about 40 feet away from said road. 
I know these creatures at all, but hear me out. Down by the pit, we both noticed two blue-bordered, massive yellow eyes in my headlight beams staring straight at us. I said, Luke, what the hell? Do you see that? As I reached for my flashlight and one of my firearms, ended up grabbing my twenty-two with hollow points, and I jumped out of my car window to run straight to the gleaming eyes. They seemed to blink once and then vanished into the dark. I ran to where I saw it standing and looked all around. The whole FBI flashlight handgun stance. Scanning. I heard footsteps approaching from behind. Startling at first, but these steps were from Luke coming up behind me, yelling, Watch out! Watch out! I turn around to him a few feet away. He stopped. He's looking confused and looks around. Then said, it, it was just behind you and it was waist high. I think to myself, what's waist high and has night vision? Mountain lions? So that's what I thought for a moment. Still standing in that spot, he says, we need more gear. So we went to my car. We loaded, geared up, killed the engine, then back into the trees. We approached the tree line, aiming the lights into the trees about waist high. Then I beam my light upwards and see those same eyes dart in a straight line to our left, further into the trees, away from my car and away from his house. Now we're spooked. How is it nine to ten feet up in the air or the trees without making a single noise? No wing flaps, no twig snaps, no footsteps. Just dead silence. It's about 2.30am now. We have been following and going in the direction we saw the eyes trail towards, staying very quiet. Suddenly, Yol and I promise and swear on my life to this day. Out of the thicket, about eight feet in front of me, I see the eyes open within the darkness of the woods. Massive, glowing, and a few inches apart which made me assume that this creature has size on its side. It stared into me. I stared back. I'm facing this unknown creature at this moment, and I shakily ask, Luke, are you seeing this? Not moving my flashlight and not breaking eye contact. I want to know where this thing is, and I want to know if it moves. I don't, dude. What do you see? Luke... Are you sure you don't see this? I don't. What is it? I assume the only reason he did not see these eyes is because of my flashlight and my angle with the beam. He was not standing directly in front of the creature as he was about six feet to my right at the moment. So I understand why he couldn't see what I saw due to angle and perspective. After that little back and forth, I see it approach me. It got closer. Hell no. I raised my handgun. I said, I'm firing, and then fired at this unknown being directly between the eyes. The round I'd just fired stirred up a load of mess. We heard a very short but low-pitched growl. 
followed by what sounded like something very heavy, easily heavier than myself, knocking into a couple of trees around it. Above, the birds in that tree dispersed. We heard no footsteps, no retreating, and stayed there a few moments longer, listening, scanning. We stayed out there, waiting to hear or see anything else for about an hour after that, but the night was quiet and calm afterwards. We go inside, call it a weird day, and go to bed. Next morning, we went to where we spotted and fired. Then we found a bunch of triangle, yes, triangle-shaped footprints that lead to the fence. We look up, there's a break in the top fencing wires. Right on the other side of the break, a few branches have been freshly broken off as they lay on the ground. Some remain dangling and facing the forest floor, like where you would land if you were to jump from the wire break at the top. Other than the fact that my friend and I, to this day, still occasionally see those eyes at night, in our dreams and in our windows. If we had windigos in this country, what do you reckon we'd have to do? I don't know. I think there are ways to kill them, but we haven't got guns. We're not allowed them. I don't think anybody would trust me with a gun. I can't even drive. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, you can get them really hard. Yeah, there are ways. I've, I've, I've sort of, you know, there, there were brief, I read something about pulling their heart out. Their hearts are made of ice and you can pull them out of their chest and mm. that kills them. All quite mm. gruesome, isn't it? Well, going back to the introduction just briefly, I thought it was really interesting that they call... Um, so when, as it said, has visions of eating other people, that's just like a psychosis of it, that they actually in the 20s called it Wendigo, psych- yeah, well, <laughs> Wendigo psychosis. It's so interesting, you know? Mm. I, I love this subject. Sorry if it's a bit gruesome. We're trying to say it because we know we've got some young listeners as well, so we're not going too details with the gore. Right. Are you ready for the second and final story? Yes, I am. And this story was written by subset of Apophonia. Hope I've pronounced that correctly. Thanks for letting us share your story. Multiple creatures, or just one thing, following me through my life. Hey everyone, I'm going to keep this as short and readable as possible, but there are a lot of parts to this story. So apologies if it's super long, but might be interesting to you. This is all as true as true can get. I needed to talk about it to people who get it, as the people I'm currently living with keep brushing it off. Firstly, I want to say that I do believe we create things with our thoughts and I try my best to control those and keep fear held away from me. Second, I want to say that some of the parts of this are stories told from my grandmother and my father, both members of the Six Nations in northeastern Pennsylvania. They never had a name for this, but told me these things without ever speaking to each other about them. They both spoke of it as a cautionary story, not something just to scare me. 
I've lived near the Jacks Mountain Ridge part of the Appalachians all my life, apart from a few years when I lived in the valley of the Allegheny Mountains. Both locations I've experienced things I can't really explain. My grandmother and my father, two separate families and different tribes, also have lived in the central PA area most of their lives as well. The first story was told to me by my dad on our picnic table in our backyard at night where I lived as a five-year-old. This same house was the childhood home of my grandmother who had given it to my mum, her daughter. My dad warned me to only go outside at night if he walked with me from the house or if he was in the shed a few yards away from the house to take long steps but don't run and go straight inside with him not to screw around in the dark. That same year, I was watching my favourite VHS in my bedroom, which at that point was previously a screened porch, but now covered by sliding glass doors. Outside those doors, we had many stray cats on a little ground-level deck. Behind this house are woods for miles going up the mountain. That night, my curtains were open so I could watch the new kittens that were just born run around and practice hunting bugs under the old light mounted on the outside wall. But the kittens and their parents had gone somewhere else during me watching my TV in between. A few moments after I noticed that they were gone, I heard a heavy weight creak all over the deck. Then I covered most of my face with my blanket when I saw a dark-coloured or soaking wet cougar looking right into the glass doors at me, just watching me for a long time, but not making a sound. It eventually left, but had trouble sleeping that night, and my parents wouldn't allow me to sleep in bed with them anymore. We had cougars in our area, but most of them stayed in the mountain, where there was a surplus of deer and my street had many houses where my extended family lived, and they'd all shoot guns and fireworks so big animals wouldn't frequent through. Usually only a small bear wanting to eat my aunt's pear trees. The really scary part is, I spoke to my grandmother about that experience offhand a few years later. She sighed, stopped for a moment, and told me that the same happened to her as a child living in that house but it was at their front door, which was just an old beaten screen door. She also described it as a black panther, which I don't think we have up here unless it migrated from the south. This must have been at least 40 years in between. She also revealed to me that her parents told her not to go out at night. No whistling, even in the daytime. And don't go close to the farm animals that used to be there two cows and a horse at night. She said when she married her husband at 14, Christianity started coming into her life around that time. So tradish stories and values eventually were seen as demonic, especially those stories, so she put them at the back of her mind. The next part comes when I lived in two different places. In our next family home before my dad passed, We lived less than a mile from a woodmill tucked into the same mountain. The woodmill would start its loud noise at around 6am, but some mornings I would wake up before that when I heard flute music coming from the mountain. 
This sounds corny, but it's definitely what I heard. My window was two stories up, so I felt safe opening it. The music sounded distant, but it was distinctly a song. This happened like four times. Sometimes I would also see a strange light in the mountain, where there were no houses. I know the buildings of this area well, as my family has lived and still lives in buildings all over this mountain. About five years later, I lived in the Allegheny Mountains, outside of Pittsburgh. I lived with my boyfriend there temporarily, so every other weekend we would take the long drive back to the Jacks Mountain area to stay with our respective families. On our night drives back to Allegheny, when we would get back 10 miles from our house, we drove on a route of curvy back roads. One section of this road went into the woods, where there was a small shoulder that people would drop off very old fatback TVs for them to rock without having to pay a dump fee. Almost every time we drove past that part at night, there would be a wonky-looking deer standing among the TVs, just staring at the car when we drove past. We'd laughed about it and named him Tim, and just thought he was an outcast deer who made friends with the abandoned TVs. But nowadays, I question Tim, dear. So currently, I'm staying with that same boyfriend and his parents, as our apartment had lots of safety issues that were not going to be fixed. His parents live on the opposite side of the mountain I lived as a kid, so this is all the same ridge and forests. First off, his parents have told us strange stories that they brush off as silly that have happened while they lived here alone, with all their kids moved out. One was about an escaped man being tracked by a light from a helicopter the same night someone banged on their door. Keep in mind, this is another road owned by one family in a small neighbourhood in the Mountains Valley. Another time, they told us they saw a man standing by their collective mailboxes at the end of the road, wearing a suit and carrying a briefcase, who then walked up into the woods going up by the mountain. My boyfriend told me before that when he and his brother were little, they would play in the mountain. They had seen trees that were bent over halfway up, some ripped out of their roots and lying on the ground away from the original place of the tree. They would play games inside a huge and deep bowl-shaped crevice in the dirt that seemed like it was dug and dried out years before. My boyfriend used to smoke in secret in seventh grade, out of his ground-level bedroom window. No screen in the window, so he could stick his head out and blow smoke out, but with the blinds pulled down while he played video games. He'd done it many times before, but one night he heard an incomprehensible, deep voice, talking in what he describes as what English would sound like if you didn't speak English, right outside his window and shuffling in the garden beneath He slammed his window shut, turning the lights off and hid until he fell asleep. A few months ago, when spring was turning into summer, he and I took our old dog out front to go to the bathroom about 9pm. We were right in front of the house, which is catty-cornered from his grandparents, all on a stone road surrounded by grass and trees. We suddenly heard what sounded like 50 plus people laughing hysterically 
were also yelling, male and female, and dogs going nuts in the distance, probably a mile away behind us. Us and the dog froze. My dog didn't bark, we just stood, terrified. The sounds only lasted about five seconds, and they all stopped at once, at the very same second. Then three more seconds passed, and we still couldn't move until we heard a phlegmy snarl coming from a bush about 20 feet in front of us. We were both in shock that we would hear two terrifying sounds we'd never heard before that seemed far away from each other, happened so close together. We pulled the dog inside and ran with our stomachs, ready to shoot out our asses. A few weeks later, I was out in the daytime and heard what sounded like something doing a bad impression of different cat noises coming from the backyard. I didn't bother investigating and just wanted to forget the sound, as it sounded unnatural and not like any bird I'd ever encountered. Cut to last night. I work evenings, so I stay up late on weeknights, sometimes until 2 or 3am. Last night, I went to take my dog out to pee at about 1.45am. Earlier in the night, I took him out at dusk and heard two men whistling, getting in a truck down the road, and my mind went straight to what my grandma had said about whistling. When I took him out later that night in pitch black, I stand in the doorway with the leash in hand whilst he goes off the front porch into the yard. Fall is turning into winter now, so I try to stay inside. It's usually fine with just frogs and other night animals making noises, but last night, my dog barely walked onto the porch and started barking to the right of the woods in front of the house. Something was coming towards us, only about 30 feet away, parting the bushes and I saw a big flash of cream colour before I ripped him inside. I felt bad about pulling my dog, but I would rather him be pulled by me into safety than whatever the hell that was coming at him. We've had a small bear come through here before, but he's very shy and runs from our dogs no matter how small they are and is quickly chased off by a flashlight. Never has it ever come towards us and it wasn't a cream colour, just a simple black bear. I wish I had stood a little longer to see the shape of this thing, but my adrenaline kicked in and I had to get my dog and me back inside and lock the door quickly. Boyfriend's parents woke up because the door caused their dogs to bark. Also, my dog continued barking when inside, which he doesn't do as he's a super meek and quiet 16-year-old dog. I was up, shaking for like an hour after that, and my boyfriend's dad keeps writing it off as the bear, but I'm insistent there is no way it was a bear. His dad still doesn't believe us about the sounds we heard previously and writes it off as a party going on. But what party have you heard where the people act like dogs, yell and laugh and suddenly all cut off at exactly the same time? Didn't think so. They don't even want to believe in the many ghost experiences we've all had in that house. We do have a ring doorbell camera, but we switched Wi-Fi providers a few days ago, so it's not synced up to a phone right now until my boyfriend gets home later to connect it. But it may still be recording. 
If I'm able to see last night's footage after we get it reconnected to a phone, I will post anything it caught. I know this is long and all over the place, but I was hoping someone could read and maybe help me make sense of all this. I couldn't figure out where to put this post because I can't identify what the hell has been going on. So this seems like the closest or possibly most helpful sub I could figure. This has all happened over the course of 25 years, not including the stories of people who lived before me. Do you think this is multiple creatures or one thing that can encapsulate all of these events? There are things that seem to mimic other things and parts that sound like Bigfoot encounters and just strange events by themselves that don't sound like either, especially the man in the suit. Thank you for reading and whatever responses you may have, it's nice not to feel alone with these stories anymore. I'm really interested in the Appalachian Mountains. Do you know why? Why? I don't know, but they just seem, obviously I've never been there, but they just seem to hold such mystery. Mm. You know, I've, I've locked, I watch loads of true crime documentaries, have you yeah. know? And like stuff goes on in the mountains, you know, and in the national parks, in yeah. like Bigfoot or, you know, odd things, odd <laughs> things on the podcast that I listen to. I'm just like, I'd love to visit, but actually, I'd like to say stay, stay, stay safe, but have mysterious things happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. feeling the magic. That's what I suppose, in a way, that's why I listen to all those true crime podcasts, so I can kind of experience it. Yeah, but from a safe distance. Yeah, <laughs> love storytelling. Do you know what I think we're gonna have to do? What? Dive a bit deeper into like British folklore. Yeah, you know because there's got to be some. But it's funny, isn't it? There, I mean, obviously there are like the banshees in Ireland and stuff like that. But with like English folklore, there's not an awful lot. No. Well, there is, but it's not really spoken about. You won't see it as much on YouTube and all that sort of stuff. So I think I'm gonna take a deep dive. We might have to find some folklore ourselves. What makes them? Nah, like discover a creature. Well, there are creatures, but um, we have. We've got loads of creatures. But they're not that well known. So I think we need to bring a bit of it into the forefront, you know? What creatures do we have? Well, in the Bigfoot episode, we spoke about woodwows, which is like a British Bigfoot. Mm. You know, so there are others. I mean, we've got Loch Ness, obviously, in Scotland. Yeah. Um, and um, Ireland's got quite a few different creatures. But I want to go into like the Cornish stuff, you know? Cornish yeah. pixies and, and fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we have got some. And then we've got cave dwellers like the Tommy Knockers. That was one of our early episodes. They're, no, not in Bristol, but they're um, down where the tin mining happened. So that was like Devon and Cornwall. Mm hmm. Yeah, but we've mm. got we have got folklore, but yeah, it's just not been what's the word? It's not been Hollywood. Yeah, it's not been Hollywooded. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we're gonna have to take that mission on. Yeah. Yeah. All right, lovely. <laughs> that is the end of this episode. Please 
like and let us know what you would like to hear in future episodes and yeah goodbye yes please do and if you can rate and write us a review that would be amazing and also recommend the podcast to your friends if they if you think they'd be interested just helps us to get the podcast to grow get it out there right take care everyone goodbye head over to hulu this march where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long catch the award-winning movie poor things starring emma stone mark ruffalo and willem dafoe Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.